welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What's going on, everybody? It is the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm joined by my guy, Wilkie V. Law. What's going on, Will? Oh, man, what's going on? In day five, seven, day 10 of our learning, uh, online virtual learning. Um, and it's been, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, we've, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, our bumps, and our bruises. But, mm. you know, I try to encourage all the teachers. I, I, I've decided to be the encourager for my team. So I try to encourage them every morning because you get so much from parents, you know, pressure of getting this done in a certain amount of time and making sure every kid is doing what they're supposed to do that. Sometimes you just need someone just to speak a peaceful, good word to you and to encourage you. So I, I, I've, I've told myself that is my goal and my objective this entire school year, uh, every day, not just some days, every day to be that voice. For, for teachers, because again, we, we need it. I mean, right now, this is unprecedented time that we're living in. And right. I think as teachers, we're doing a bang up job for what we're being asked. I mean, they gave they gave us lemons and we're not just making lemonade, we're making lemon meringue pies, we're making lemon cakes. I mean, we're- <laughs> Oh man, it, I, I thought you were gonna say it was like, a, I thought you were gonna go like a frozen lemonade. I was gonna be like, yeah, frozen. <laughs> frozen lemonade but but yeah you know so it's good you know and it's encouraging still you know being able to talk with you and meeting people from around the country uh and hearing the story of what's going on and how we can help each other as educators build a community that'll help each other get through these times until we get back face to face yeah 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 and on that note we're excited thrilled super pumped to have another fellow texas educator from up in the uh north dallas educator Shannon Cunningham Landing. Shannon, thank you so much for taking time. I know we're, if you could see this podcast, you're still in your classroom. So we appreciate you uh, after a long day jumping on with us. Yes. Happy to be here and excited to chat with y'all tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So and I'm actually technically still in my classroom since this is my virtual classroom. <laughs> and I was, I was at, I've been on campus the last five days just for meetings, strictly just for meetings. Everybody was masked up, but this will be my classroom starting Tuesday. So that's, that's interesting, but we were super thrilled to be able to connect with you, especially after, you know, like I said, your educators to educators presentation was like so good this summer. And we wanted to make sure that we're, and and a thing that we struggle with is we we are both the 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 secondary phase of the teaching and we sometimes forget that we got to reach out to the primary teachers and um we're we're excited to have you so if you could just give us a little bit about your background and kind of your journey into and through the teaching profession Yes, of course. Okay, well, first I have to apologize if you guys really can see the background. I didn't realize there was going to be video, so please oh, no, forgive my best. No. But um a little bit about me. So my name is Shannon Cunningham Lanning. It soon will be Shannon Lanning. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, primary shenanigans, spell like my name, Shannon. Uh, I had to have a two-part wedding. My wedding was scheduled for May and 
it got postponed because of COVID. And so we decided to elope, just my husband and I, with our pastor. And then we will have part two with our friends and family, hopefully soon. So I know he is anxiously awaiting for me to drop off the Cunningham, but I know many teachers in the teacher world know me as Cunningham. So we're hanging on to it for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But um, I grew up in Arizona and I went to the University of Nebraska. For, <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Kyle and I have some beef because he's all about Wisconsin, but y'all know. You mean I'm all about teams that win things? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Go Big Red. That's yeah, I mean, you know, if it was ni- if it was like 1990 to 2002, like Nebraska would have been killing Wisconsin. I know. Man, I'm just going to relive those glory days, those yeah, pre-COVID pre-losing days for Husker football. (laughs) But but yeah, so I actually originally went to the University of Nebraska with the full intent of being an environmental scientist. That's what I was going to study. I was going to save the planet, save the animals. And I walked into my first day of class and there was someone not wearing shoes because they were so passionate about the planet that they did not want to wear shoes because it was detrimental. And I just sat there and was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not this passionate. This person should be hired way before I am because I'm not this passionate about the topic. And I was getting letters in um, from kids that I had nannied and worked with at my church uh, in the mail. And just, it hit me that very first day of school, I was meant to be a teacher. Um, And I think I had always known that deep down, but I did not have the best high school experience because I had a rheumatoid. I still have a juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And I just had teachers who were not very um, accommodating to me. So I left high school with a very bitter taste in my mouth and was like, college will be the last school that I step foot in and I'm going to move on with my life. Um, But it just hit me straight in the face. I need to be a teacher. And so I am very passionate about um, caring for children and being an advocate for them and making sure that all their needs are met. And so thankfully, the University of Nebraska has a great program, um, and it eventually brought me out to Texas. So now I'm here. I'm loving it. Yeah, my, my, my assistant principal is a, a Husker grad, so I'm going to have to uh, tell him I met another one. So what was, yes. what was it like in high school with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis? Like, what accommodations did you need? Because I didn't even realize that, was a, that ju- juvenile was a thing. Yeah, so the term juvenile added to rheumatoid arthritis really is just identifying the time frame in which you were diagnosed. And it was a really bizarre time. So I was 16. Uh, they do not know what caused it. Um, I was in a car accident, but they couldn't determine if that did cause it or didn't. Um, but shortly after that, my symptoms started to appear. And I mean, I had to wear those big boots that you have to put on your uh, feet if you break your toe or something. I had to wear them on both feet just to walk. I had to wear braces on my hands. Um, I remember that Thanksgiving, my finger was so swollen. I couldn't even hold a fork to feed myself my Thanksgiving meal. Um, And I was, I mean, a sophomore in high school. And so most of my teachers, and funny enough, my environmental scientist uh, teacher was extremely accommodating, wonderful, which is probably why that teacher made such a profound impact on me that I wanted to pursue that career because he was so uh, supportive. They made all these wonderful accommodations, but I had one teacher who was not accommodating whatsoever, and I was on all sorts of medication, and you know that comes with like nausea and all these things, and I just remember one day I asked to use the restroom because I felt so sick from all this medication that I was on as doctors were trying to figure out something that could um, remedy all of my joint swelling, and she said no. 
And thankfully, my parents have always taught me that you, yes, you respect um, your the adults that are supervising you, but you don't do that at the cost of um, your own well being. You don't do that at the cost of your own well being. And so I, and I was a very quiet kid in high school. I walked out of the classroom and I went straight to the assistant principal, uh, assistant principal, and just burst into tears and. He was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea this was going on. We need to get you on a 504 plan. And so then that's when it was like she, you know, these teachers then had to be accommodating me. It wasn't a power of choice of whether they felt like it or not. So yeah, and my school was a quarter mile long. So you can imagine having those boots on. It was three stories. There was a basement, a first floor, and a second floor. So you can imagine having a boot on, like I'd be late to class and those things. But like I said, most of my teachers were extremely accommodating and respectful. So but yeah, I had to go on a 504 and all, all that fun stuff. So I actually know that, um, that process firsthand as a student. And so I am, I try to be very intentional when working with students and their families, because I know what it's like to be on the other side. Right. And that's, that's, that's interesting that a teacher in a subject that you did not really have a major passion for imprinted that, that so much so. And that just, I mean, I think that speaks volumes to where, what teachers need to hear right now is that you don't know the impact that you're having on that child is sitting in your room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like that teacher probably never would have guessed it. You would have at least attempted to say, let me see if this is where I want to go because I saw how this person made me feel. Yes. Yeah. And we actually reconnected on Twitter. It was really awesome. awesome. Um, a couple of years ago, someone said, you know, have you ever tried to send a note or even a tweet? to an educator who impacted your life. And I was thinking, and of course he was the first one that came to mind and sure enough, I found him. And so I tweeted and it was, it was awesome. So now we follow each other on Twitter and it's just, it's really neat to see. Cause I mean, that was well over a decade ago mold. So, <laughs> but I just can't get over the fact that there was uh, the other teacher that almost kept you mm-hmm. out of the profession that you were supposed to be in. And it, mm-hmm. Wilkie, it kind of reminds me of your story of sixth grade, how like, one bad teacher can like totally make your experience jaded. Right. And if it wasn't, because my experience was I had a teacher during the time I it wasn't as drastic, but I was going through uh, what I didn't know then, what I know now as depression when my parents divorced and I began to act out and, you know, sleeping in class, not going to class, not doing my work. And I had a teacher who called me Mr. Do Nothing and put me in a corner. Um, and which prompted me to not stop going to school. I stopped going to class and Mm -hmm. which caused me to be retained again. And, um, you know, the, the words, the, the actions that teachers, you know, how they conduct themselves with, with students, it, 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 I mean, I say my experience, your experience is proof positive of how you're really one person away from, from, from greatness or, from a, a total, you know, I don't want to almost say something crazy, a totally different life than what you deserve yeah. mm-hmm. um, just because of the actions of a teacher. Absolutely. Yes, I completely agree. It does. And it's, and it's when you know the heart of a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Because even the most amazing teacher, we're, we're all not perfect. We all need to give ourselves grace. We're, there's going to be times where all of us are going to say something maybe wrong or this or that, but I think the heart behind um, the teacher and what they do, it shows in their actions. And so it's not to put this pressure of you need to be this perfect 
teacher, you need to be this perfect person. But I think the heart uh, behind a teacher truly shows. And so, you know, as it sounds like from when you were a student, you knew that one little, you know, that name calling or this or that, the heart behind it, it was ugly and it wasn't cute. And you Mm -hmm. felt that it almost doesn't matter what was being said or what was being done. You knew the heart behind that. And that's just where it hurts or where it helps. And so just having the heart of a teacher, a good teacher. And it's funny that you said that because at home, I, you know, I'm, I'm old. I grew up in the era of, of, you know, Jesse Jackson, you know, I am somebody, you know, making those affirmations. So my mom, I mean, was a, was, is the most, is the strongest woman I know. She affirmed us, but the words of a teacher overpowered the words that I was hearing every day at home. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful message that teachers don't get is that you could be the, the light that teachers, that students get, the only light that students get, or you could be the darkness that, that dampens someone else's light that's mm-hmm. trying to get that kid to greatness to where they should be. And, you know, it's honestly, it's my fuel and my motivation every day that I interact and engage with a child is that, I don't ever want a child to leave my class. You know, and ironically, I teach sixth grade math. Mm-hmm. So that's the exact class that I struggled in and was and dropped out on. You will not leave my class and not have had a con- had an opportunity to connect with a teacher who's going to help you connect with your greatness. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And that, that fuels me every day. That's so powerful. Every day. See, we're getting off track. Um, go ahead. I know, but it's that, that's just the way it. It's just the way it goes. That's just I. I told Wilkie, and I, and this is just me because I'm like a very like thirty thousand feet. I just want to go with everything. I was like, let's just never have a. Let's just never have questions and just see where it goes. But obviously, I realize that that doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. So we have questions. Hey, it's a good format. It's a good yeah. format. We have questions if we don't use them. You know, it is. Yep. So mm-hmm. so we, we started this podcast with the intention of helping teachers be what their kids deserve. So when you hear that phrase, the teacher kids deserve, what comes to mind for you? I think, like I mentioned before, just having a true heart for your kids because, and it's funny, I was talking to a friend about this uh, just earlier today. She uh, she lives in Nebraska and she has been trying to find a long-term uh, sub for her maternity leave. And she actually happened to find one of my best friend's little sisters. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, you are going to love her. She loves kids. And to me, cause that's the first thing, if I was going on maternity leave, I want to hear that they love kids because I can put a curriculum book in front of anybody. I can put the content in front of anybody and say, Hey, this is what you need to teach, but I cannot teach someone how to love and genuinely care and want the best interest for a child. It's not teachable. Um, I think it's something that can be nurtured and developed and grow just like, you know, people say, I'm not a mom yet, but people say, you know, when you become a mom, you have a different level of understanding. And so it is something that I think can grow and develop. Um, but I don't think it's that you can just teach someone how to genuinely love a kid. There's gotta be that seed and that, that spark has gotta be there. So that's what comes to mind for me. I, I, I know it's super important every year. How much more important do you think it is this year that having that heart of a teacher in in this? Because, you know, our next question was going to be, you know, like, what, you know, how how are you coping, you know, with this 
time because, you know, a little bit before we hit record, we were all talking about this, this situation was so there's so much uncertainty everywhere. So, you know, how much more important do you think having that heart of a teacher is this year? Mm -hmm. I think it's extremely important because we are going to have to be, you know, very intentional because even if you are just virtual or maybe you're blended, we know our points of contact, they aren't, um, as much, especially for the younger grades, a lot of our learning is asynchronous, meaning that kids are uh, watching pre-recorded videos or doing an activity or something. And so we have got to pack as much, you know, power in the punch to that one touch point that we're having a day uh, with the kiddos to express that they are valued, right? And doing those affirmations, like Wilkie said, that we're just uplifting them um, and bringing them up. We've it's got to be more intentional than ever because it's, it's fewer now. We're not able to see them in person. And so we've just got to be extremely intentional about that. I love that because, you know, that's sort of, so my school, I teach at a K-8 charter, but I'm in the, in the middle school portion, you know, and we have about two thirds of our kids are going to be in the hybrid. Mm -hmm. And then about a third of them are going to be digital. But, but I'm, I'm the one distance learning teacher for our social studies team. Mm -hmm. So when the kids are at who in the hybrid are at home, I'm their contact point. So for me, I'm thinking about, wow, I, I literally will have touch points with every single student mm -hmm. in our middle school. And, and just thinking about, you know, like you said, how, how do I bring that, that heart and 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 that so what do you what do you think that look what does that look like for you do yeah. you think in those in those connections yeah so um I've been thinking about this a lot lately and I am in a position now I'm an early literacy support teacher so I support preschool through third grade teachers on my campus um with literacy but honestly it is all hands on deck right now so it's you know in all areas tech support everything right and so um I've been thinking about this a lot and something that if, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Ron Clark Academy, but this is an idea that they have shared in the past. And I've thought of ways that we can adapt it and utilize it virtually. But I would always make sure that you have your class list and each, you know, grading period, or maybe you want to do it each week. And you make a note of what kids you really felt like you connected with that week and what kids maybe they just kind of were a little bit outlier that week. And so you're going to be very intentional the next week. You have that list out. Hey, these are the kids that I really want to make sure that I have an interaction to having that list in front of you. If you're going to have a Google meets, I try to be intentional about saying that kid's name as many times as I can. Uh, even if it is, you know, oh, tap your nose. If you also have a dog. Oh my goodness. I see that Sarah has a dog too. How exciting. It doesn't necessarily mean I understand you're not always going to have time to have a conversation with every single kid at each time, but just for them to hear their name and to hear it in a way and in a voice of love, I think can go so far. Um, and I don't know if you've ever read uh, the book, um, The Five Love Languages. Mm -hmm. Any of y'all ever read that? Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't read it and you're listening or tuning in, don't stress. You can go online and just read a super quick synopsis of it. But essentially, it's uh, words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, acts of service, and gifts. And so I think about that in the classroom, right? I think of like a high five or even a hug being physical touch. I think of a sticker uh, being a gift. I think of 
quality time when they get to come sit near you while you're doing your read aloud, those things, right? But when we're doing virtual learning, we essentially kind of only have words of affirmation. And that being said, if you can start to brainstorm different um, affirmation statements and printing those out so you're not just saying, good job, good job, I like that. And that way you have those go-to statements. And then as you think of some, or even um, it's wonderful to learn from other teachers as well. So when you're hearing things that they say or see things that they do that you admire, write that down. You know, even um, last week I was in Arizona and my cousin, her daughter is in second grade and doing a lot of online learning. And uh, I was like creeping on her online learning to see what is her teacher doing, you know, and I was just getting so many wonderful ideas, like highlighting a student each week and um, letting them pick out our uh, intro song. So that student of the week gets to pick out an intro song. And that way they, um, you know, it's like their personal flair and they're valued and they get to have input into things. So we've got to be intentional about that uh, virtually and make it worthwhile. Because I, I know like, like for my middle school kids, quality time is like such a big one. And and you know doing things like letting them come in and have lunch and I was just thinking about like how do I replicate stuff like that I mean can I somehow have a google meets like do a little movie watch party at the end of the day or yeah just just those those things that like those touch points but that 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 writing down those phrases I think is such a good idea because you don't want to be at a loss for words. We were just talking at my school about the power of sending a postcard. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, with, with that though, and, and maybe this too will like, you know, we're, we're emailing the kids now, be, you know, for school. Mm -hmm. Do you think email, like email is not like a really affirming message platform at this point is it because they're doing so much emailing because of school yeah and i i do see what you're saying um my husband and i we volunteer with the middle and high schoolers at our church and we you know everyone started on zoom and then we just would start to see you know some of my girls who would be on our small group time all of a sudden it's like they're fading off or the camera's showing the ceiling which that's fine like whatever they're comfortable with but it didn't used to be like that and they were like, Shannon, we're just so burnt out. We do this all day at school. So yeah, it does unfortunately sometimes lose that. And I think too, uh, for kids to hear tone in our voices, they're not getting that social interaction. They're not getting those conversations. So even if it is a quick pre-recorded video so they can see, you know, your maskless face with a big smile on it, expressing how grateful you are for them. I think there's so many nonverbal cues that they could um, be blessed by when you do that. Mm -hmm. with quick videos and those affirmations mm. i love that yes <laughs> yeah i'm just sitting there processing it all because I've, I've started i've started writing things down and it just there's so many little things that we can do you know and i think about what made me feel good one of my one of our counselors this morning emailed uh, messaged me while we were in a zoom meeting and was just like, hey, I see your face. It's so good to see your face. Can't wait to get back to campus. And when I smiled, of course, I'm on camera. So she sees my smile and she knows that I got the message. And she said, that's what I wanted to see, that smile. And that little thing like that, just, it, I mean, like it, it made my day have a little more mm behind it because it was like, okay, 
somebody else is paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and that's a good thing to remember. Our teachers need those touch points as well. And, and you know, we're better together. So we need to uplift each other. That's amazing. 100%. Yeah. Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> no, no. If you have something to add, go for it. Okay, there's one thing and I kept forgetting it. It was just on the tip of my tongue, but I just now remembered it. Um, something else we just need to be mindful of is... And I'll catch myself in, like I said, no one's perfect. So I'll catch myself in it. But if you are having kids share anything, we need to be, to bring just as much level of excitement from one kid as the next. Mm-hmm. And so while, yes, I absolutely love and adore puppies and I will totally, if you know, they're doing show and tell and they show me their dog, I'm like, ah, but I also need to be just as excited to see, you know, a kid's stuffed animal or something like that. Like I need to bring that same level of excitement because right now, like I said, it's the tone of our voice. It's how we're showing excitement. It's how we're showing appreciation on this screen that they're kind of interpreting a lot of their worth and what we view Mm -hmm. of them. And I know that's not, we wish there was more interactions, but this is it. So we've got to bring the same level of excitement, the same level of oomph to every kid and everything that they share because they are bringing us into their homes and that's very vulnerable. Um, I think for little kids, maybe not as much because they just don't know. And so too, that's also where teachers need to be mindful of, you know, sometimes kids ask questions like, what do you mean you share a bed with your sister? And what? I don't do that. And, you know, well, hey friend, you know what? Sometimes people do. And it's like a fun sleepover. Everyone's house is different. So how are you going to handle those conversations? Are you just going to be like, oh, they said that and moving on? Or are you going to take the time to address it, to make it positive? Because you don't want that child to, um, feel hurt, but then also you want to take the time to educate that other child that every household is different. And those things are going to happen. Like stuff's going to happen. I mean, oh my gosh, you might hear someone in the background accidentally dropping a cuss word. Who knows? But you've got to be prepared to handle those conversations, handle those situations and turn it towards the positive and make it a moment of growth. Right. And those have happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure many people can attest to that right now. You know, luckily for our program, we can actually mute all microphones when we need to. And what we, we're using Schoology in mm-hmm. our district. So it really helps out with that um, that privacy piece. And I and I tell kids, I I, I said the phrase one time uh, in, a, in an interview that we can't learn students when they're on mute. Mm-hmm. And so one of the policies I adopted is that unless I'm doing direct instruction, I don't want your mics muted. Love you know, I, I need to hear your voice. If you're in a quiet, and I say it, if you're in a quiet place and there's not a lot of background noise, I would prefer you unmute so that when I ask a question, I don't have to ask a question and look down at the chat and wait for, you know, you just see mm-hmm. such and such is typing because multiple people are typing. You know, I get to actually hear them their feedback because that's what I would that's what I live off for in the classroom. Yes. You know, I want to hear your voices. I, I I can hear when you uh maybe I know that there's not com- there's that's not confidence there. So I can know, mm-hmm. okay, well let me give you a little push. But if I'm waiting and everybody's just typing, then it's like you don't get that, that that's so that good. lag time. So you, so can, good. You, can, you can use that, remix it, take it up. Yes. I like okay, wait, tell me again. I'm gonna type it down. I'm going to type it down. You can't can't learn students on mute. Love it. Can't learn students on mute. Got it. Types down. (laughs) Nice. So we were, we were talking a little bit prior to hitting record too, and you were discussing just a little bit of 
what's going on at your school and you mentioned like recess and stuff and being as we're we're not elementary teachers or primary teachers what's kind of the the general vibe in the primary space and you know what are some of the biggest challenges that those teachers are facing yeah, I think for, you know, elementary schools all across the United States right now, it's ensuring that we're following the protocol of making sure items are sanitized and what's uh, the time of, you know, some, there's all different rules of, you know, how long can a paper book sit before it is touched by someone else and all of those things. So I know there's a lot of pressure on teachers right now to ensure that they are following protocols because of course, you know, teachers want to ensure their students' safety and so they want to adhere to those protocols. Um, and two, I think it also is sometimes stressful because we, some classrooms, I understand at, fortunately at my school, we are very blessed to have plenty of manipulatives and all of those things. But I understand that many schools across the United States, it's that they might not have as many unifix cubes and have those manipulatives. And we know our younger kiddos, uh, especially when we're looking at math, you know, it starts with concrete, then it moves to pictorial, then it moves to abstract. And so we're still wanting to be able to provide that concrete because even on a virtual, that's still pictorial. Um, you know, you can have the dots, but that's pictorial. That's not concrete. And our kids need tactile things that they can touch. And so I just would encourage people now more than ever um, to check out things like donors choose if your school allows you to make Amazon wish lists and those things, because I know uh, it would be very stressful for you to try to sanitize everything in one sitting to have make sure each kid has enough counters and those things. Um, but I think there are a lot of people in the community who do want to come together and do want to come support teachers and make sure that you have enough of those things to successfully teach. So I would definitely make sure that you are looking into those um, things so that way if that does help alleviate some of your stress and each of your kiddos can have their own baggies or have their own baggies of chalk to go play on the playground um, and do that structured play mm -hmm. do you i have to say I i'm sorry i have to say i love chalk drawing um, yes. i do it with my nieces whenever they come over because we're in a cul-de-sac so it's so much fun i've learned how to take letter shapes and number shapes and create animals and different things from <gasps> so much fun I want so pictures of this next time you do it. I absolutely will. I absolutely will. <laughs> Love that. So I was having a, a conversation with some of the teachers at my school because we are, you know, K to eight. And we have a real concern about when you're talking about all of these protocols and, and all of the things that kids have to do, whether it's virtual or especially if they're in person. Do you worry that? They're, the kids are going to be so spent with all the protocols that they're going to struggle academically because that was a conversation we had for quite a long time today at, is you know how do we manage their stress in order to create a learning environment? I think a lot of it is, um, and I know I, I'm not trying to make it sound like so much pressure on the teacher. Uh, in all my answers, but it's a lot about how the teacher is going to carry themselves. Um, something that I've been reading a lot about lately is emotional noise and teachers mm -hmm. can um, unintentionally bring in a lot of their own emotional noise into the classroom when they have anxiety, when they're stressed and we're human, right? We're going to have bad days. We're going to have things going on at home and we try our best to check things at the door. Um, but trying your best to keep your calm and keep your cool and keep your collected. And I will say one thing that's fortunate on my side, being in the elementary, 
like our sweet kindergarten friends or preschool friends, a lot of them, they haven't known anything different. So to them, it's not a loss. Um, and two, kids are very adaptable. So when it's, hey, friends, so now when we leave the classroom, we're all going to get one thing of hand sanitizer and you can push and we're going to rub our hands together. And, you know, you say it very, we can sing this song. I think it's all about how you paint it and um, making it very positive. And you have to do this because you could get the coronavirus and I no. We're going to do this so we can keep ourselves safe and healthy because we know a safe and healthy body is a body that can learn and have fun. And because that's what's developmentally appropriate for our little ones, right? And so you just need to paint it like that. I mean, even when I think back to, um, you know, I've taught kindergarten and first grade quite a bit and I love those grades, love, love, love. And, you know, when we would ever do um, practice for fire drills or lockdowns or things like that, that's a very serious topic. Um, but once again, we do remember that these friends are small. Sorry, I always call my students friends. These it's little okay. friends are small. And uh, what's developmentally appropriate and what do they need to understand? And so, you know, we tell them, hey, you know, we know that there are so many great people in this world. But sometimes there's people who, uh, you know, they just have some things in their heart where they decide in their heart that they want to hurt people or this or that. And um, and I pray that this would never, ever happen to our school. I hope, you know, and I will always, you know, do everything that I can to protect you. And so part of the reason why we have a fire drill, you know, or uh, lockdown practice is because I want to ensure that if this ever happened, which like I said, it doesn't happen often, but if it happened, you would know exactly what to do. And while we know firefighters and police officers they do scary things every day. But do you want to know how they're able to, even though they're scared, make a choice to do something? It's because they know what to do. And that helps them be a little bit more confident and brave because they go to police school, they go to firefighter school, and they learn what to do in certain situations. And so you friends get to do the same thing. We're going to practice and we hope that this never happens. But if it were to happen, you would have a choice because you would know what to do. And so that's like, I know it's like a total side tangent, but that's what comes to my mind when I'm thinking about all these COVID protocols. It's how are you painting the picture? Are you making it to be this super dark, scary, ominous thing? Because then, yeah, a kid's not going to be able to focus on their work when they're like, should I get the hand sanitizer right? Because I don't want to die from COVID because that's what my teacher just told me. But if they're like, I just sang the song and now I get to go do my math work, you know, it's, it's just going to create a totally different mindset for them. Hmm. I love that. And I can say that's one of the first time I've ever wished to be an, uh, an elementary teacher because like, I'm just envisioning my like, my like, you know, my eighth grade, two cool tough guys that are like, mm-hmm. whatever, bro, like, I'm not gonna <laughs> wear a mask. Like, why would, why would I, why would I wear a mask, bro? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think like, but it does change my frame of reference, because especially with middle school kids, if you tell them they have to do something, Mm-hmm. you're almost ensuring that they're not going to do that thing that they have to do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that, you know, w- when you were saying developmentally age appropriate to where, mm-hmm. you know, you have to approach them. But I yeah. Think- and I think with the middle school, like what would come to my mind is building that empathy and making it like a personal connection. So even just being like, Hey, can y'all, you know, raise your hand if you've got a grandma, grandpa, aunt or uncle or something like that, you know, there are some people who, or if you know someone who ever had cancer or this or that, 
hey, I know that you might not be worried about wearing a mask and but out of respect for those people, you know, hey, if that was your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, you'd want to know that people are in. So as a class, can we agree that we are going to respect one another and our families and we're going to do that? So then kind of making it a conversation that has empathy and that is like, hey, I acknowledge that you personally and your 13 year old, you thought like this is not a big deal. And that, you know, that's you, bud. But hey, let's think collectively as a group here and how we're going to support one another because we are a class family. And so we're going to respect um, our class family's personal family at home as well. Hey, we hope you're enjoying this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast with Shannon Lanning. Uh, we know that we did and we continue to. This is the second time we've gone through it after having the conversation and doing the edits. We love it. But we just wanted to take a quick break to ask you if you are also enjoying this, if you could subscribe to the podcast or maybe share it out with the teachers that you know it would mean the world to us um, to share this out and to be able to reach more teachers and and continue to share these stories of educators who are adding value to the craft and you know that's the mission that's what we want to do so if you could just take a quick break hit that subscribe button maybe share it we'd be really appreciative and i think that building that empathy i always lead with um the story of my mom um, because my, I lost my mom to breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I always ask, the, I mean, I always ask kids, how many of you have had a, a, a parent or a family member that you know who've, who's, who's, come, who's, had, who's gotten diagnosed with cancer or died from cancer? And, you know, the, the hands will go up and I'll let them know. I was like, you know, I need you to understand that one in four, one in four women, or one in four human beings, because I just found out now it's men and women, Mm-hmm. One in four people in their lifetime will develop breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So that means if you haven't yet, the chances of you coming in contact or that coming in your door is huge. And so that kind of sets the stage for for being respectful, for being mindful of making sure that you take every day, that you live it to the fullest, mm-hmm. that you that you don't take anything for granted. And it goes into that piece of building that sense of community around mm-hmm. this touches everybody. Yep. And I think that is so important, especially at the middle school level, that kids have to know that you're, you're, and I tell them all the time, you're the next decision makers. You're the next politicians, the next lawyers. It's bad enough you got to fix a lot of the mistakes and issues that we create for you. You know, don't start creating your own now that you're, you know, that, that that's going to perpetuate even more issues later on in life. So I think building that sense of community is so, so huge. Um, like I say, I, I'm ready to go back face to face. I I am. When they said you have to wear a mask, you have to do this. I, I don't care. Just put me in a classroom mm-hmm. with people. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't do the virtual well. Like it's being online. I'm, I'm an online student. You know, at for my for my doctoral studies. Yes. And it's not the same as being in a classroom. It's not the same. You know, I try to be seeing the same energy with my kids. I have the music playing as my class is opening up and I'm dancing and I'm, you know, and they're like, Mr. Law, you play the same song every day. I'm like, it's okay. Cause you're going to hear the same song every day, even when you get back to the classroom. So I'm just getting your mind ready, learn the words to it. So I'll put it in the chat. If you want to listen to it, here's a YouTube link, listen to it on your own. And building that sense of this is the exact same way my class is going to run when we're face to face. You know, we're going to be, it's, and now it's, I feel like it's going to be better because you don't have that awkwardness of first day jitters because you've connected with so many of the kids in so many different ways, whether through video and they know you. So it's like, 
meeting somebody you met online. That's so true. And that's such a positive Mm -hmm. way to put it. This is an opportunity, like you said, to Mm -hmm. ease those first day jitters. That's amazing. And I I am sorry to hear about the loss of your mom. And I think it's honestly, what a beautiful story that you now are um, making yourself a safe place for students, because we know a lot of our students do experience the loss of a loved one. And so Mm -hmm. how wonderful that at the beginning of the year, they know that you're a safe place um, for grief. And sometimes they, you know, a lot of students, they do idolize their teacher and they see them as this perfect person, but to see, wow, my teacher, you know, they've gone through something like this too. It gives them hope and also just um, an understanding and to know that they're not alone. So I think that's um, wonderful that you, you openly share that with your students in such um, a meaningful way. Yeah. You know, and, and with what you spoke to too, about opening up to the kids and having empathy, like, where George Floyd got killed is not even 10 minutes from where our school is. So we're opening up the year having to deal with all of that trauma and everything. I mean, cause a lot of these kids were living in the neighborhoods that were the, where the riots were happening, mm-hmm. you know? So, and we just had this conversation about not treating the, the kids like, they can't handle those conversations. And obviously we're delicate and we shape the conversation, but we talked a lot about giving them chances to express their empathy and, and their shared understanding of a really, you know, difficult situation. I, I wouldn't have thought that Minneapolis would have became kind of the epicenter of America at that time. And it just, you know, it, it's something that we're, we're dealing with, but we've had a lot of talks because I, I know that I've heard throughout my career that there are certain things, you know, Wilkie talks about it with adults. Like there are certain things you just don't talk about with kids. You don't have those conversations, but we, you know, we're in a point where we have to deal with a lot of the trauma that our kids are going through to start the year. And it just, mm-hmm. I, I think your advice is really good to, to make sure that you're framing it as, you know, empathy and, and making sure that everybody feels like they're being heard. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so that is going to be, like I said, with Midwest schools, you know, we, we're not having our first day until Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So by the time you guys, we start, you guys are a month in already. So, um, and, and just kind of on this same vein, as we kind of start to wrap the conversation up, we loved your presentation when you, when you talked about creating safe spaces for learning. So I guess the question I have is, you know, how, how is that term safe spaces for learning kind of taking different meanings this year? I mean, is, is it still just that like emotional safe space or are we talking to about like the physical safe space? Um, I definitely took it as more of like the emotional safe space only because I can't speak for all because each district has its own protocol, right? Each school has its own protocol. Um, and so I... I feel like it wouldn't be helpful. For, and two, something I might say today might be obsolete by research found tomorrow. So I don't want to like True. speak to the physical um, health safety just because I'm not a doctor and we know, you know, information is constantly coming in uh, and districts all have different things. But I think just in terms of um, the emotional safe space and we want our students to be risk takers, we want them to have that growth mindset and uh, people are willing to try new things when it feels like a safe space. No one's going to be um, willing to try something new if they feel like they're going to be ostracized or ridiculed. And so that's even too where, because we're just starting, if you're just starting online, if you, and you are like reality is y'all, they're kids, you're going to have to redirect them. Right. 
but try to watch your tone and how you do it and the way that you phrase things. And, um, you know, one book that I read years ago and I still take parts of it with me today is love and logic where, you know, you word things positively. It's, um, you need to stop talking and be like, Hey friend, can you click that mute button for me while your dog's barking? So it's, can you please and you're saying, do this, not, can you please stop talking? Can you so watch your tone and doing those things because, um, you know, if kids are like, oh gosh, she did, you know, she, when he spoke up, she yelled at him and told him to stop or, you know, then they're, they're going to take that into account when they are, hi, <laughs> I've still got visitors here. So, um, so yeah, I think that's important to consider. Yeah. And, and I can just imagine the first time that somebody's sibling walks in or you know stuff like that I mean because that's stuff that's just like happening so commonly like it's so funny I remember a couple years ago I think it was like a BBC interview where some guy was on TV and his kid like walked in and everybody thought it was so funny and now everything you see on TV there's people walking in and and you know doing those things so I really Man, I I hadn't remembered Love and Logic in quite a long time, but that just that simple way that you rephrase that you phrase redirection, mm-hmm. man. Because I I and Will can can attest to this. There were some times in my career where I did not phrase redirection correctly, and I never under I never understood how much of an impact it had on the rest of the class, not just the kid who that redirection was directed towards Mm -hmm. yeah directing it positively and also just um the power of choice right Mm -hmm. and so you know when you have the option to incorporate something of choice and it can be something small it gives the kids um power and confidence and so just always you know redirecting positively and so um you know, my, it's funny, like I said, my husband and I, we volunteer with the middle schoolers and high schoolers, and I know they're older, uh, but it's funny how many times I've, you know, been able to translate some of the teaching strategies to him, and it's totally new to him being around all those, and so, um, you know, the teacher and me, if I see a kid running, I'm like, oh, you can decide to walk or skip, or you can walk and gallop, or, do, you know, giving those choices, and I'm sure the middle schoolers are like, what? <laughs> but it does, it just makes a difference when you can give the power of choice. You know, it's funny that you said that because last year, um, this was my first year in middle school. I, our district is, is part, was used to be partitioned in uh, elementary, intermediate, middle school, then high school. Mm-hmm. And so I was intermediate. So we were just fifth and sixth grade campus. And my first year at middle school, I, I was like, kind of like, whoa, time out. Wait a minute. This is a little much. And so last year, <clears throat> I made the adjustment and I told the team, I say, as a sixth grade teacher, we have to be that bridge from elementary into middle school. Mm-hmm. Because up until then, the kids are walked to lunch, they're walked to the restroom, they're given water breaks, they're getting recess. And in middle school, none of that happens. So we have to frame our classes to where it is so similar to elementary, but still yet giving them that middle school experience and when I took that approach last year, I saw the difference in how the kids responded. You know, I saw yeah. like it was a huge difference. I wasn't treating them like middle school kids, like, hey, yo, man, stop running down the hallway. You know, hey, stop. I was like more like, hey, is is what's we, we have a thing in our school, we call it the Torah way. 
And that's what we, you know, that's what I always redirected to. Hey, are you following the Torah way? And they're like, oh, instantly, I mean, instantly changed. That's so you know, true. We, Asking a question is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, because it, it makes them think. Mm-hmm. And once they think about it, I mean, because we know kids are reactionary. They're reactionary. Yeah. They're going to react. But when you stop and make them think, the reaction stops and the logic kicks in. Mm-hmm. And we they are more logical than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Ask the two-year-old who can sit there and watch their parent unlock their phone and mem- memorize the code, even though they don't know so numbers. True. You know so what I mean? <laughs> so they're more logical than we give them credit to. So when you push them and thrust them into that environment, we have to make sure we frame it properly so that they can understand it. And when I think questioning is the biggest way. And I love the way you just flipped that, you know, hey, how about can we just try to and when you do that, it's like that one instinct is like, oh, yeah, we could. Mm-hmm. We could. So good. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Yeah, and I remember, Wilkie, you you giving me a piece of advice, too, like when you went to Jones. How, you told me the story about how a kid was walking down the hallway and there was some some paper on the floor. You were just like, hey, buddy, can you pick that up for me? And he's like, well, it's not my paper. And you just went, yeah, I know, but could you just please pick that up? And he was like, yeah, he picked it up and threw it away. And since then, you know, every time you ask a kid to, I mean, it's like in a, in a classroom where if you just say, hey, can y'all please pick up these things rather than, hey, y'all need to pick these things up and da, 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 da. I think just the, that little bit of choice, man, it's just, it's so strange. Like all these things that you like know, but I've been so overloaded with like everything these last five days in meetings. It's just feel, like, this is just so timely for me to be like, yeah, I remember how to teach kids. Like I remember how to interact with kids. Like we can do this. And, and even just saying that, like, Hey, Hey buddy, can you, can you turn your mic on for me, please? Hey, did it, you know, those, those different things you can do. Cause I mean, in the spring, we really struggled to get kids to engage online, to show up to their live sessions. So for me, that's a real like sticking point of trying to get kids engaged in that community and oh man, everything. Mm-hmm. It reminds us. It reminds us why we need to talk to every different kind of teacher under the sun because we yeah. always we always get stuff mm-hmm. from it, no matter what. And as teachers are, you know, maybe you've already built your space of where you do your virtual learning. Um, I'm on a desk, so I don't necessarily have a wall behind me, and like post-it notes are my best friend. And so, you know, having if you want to decorate your wall cute, or even if it's just like a post-it note reminding you, make sure to you know connect with this kid, this kid, this kid, or oh, remember power of choice because. They can't, like, y'all can't see what's going on back here. And so I can set up remind, like, this can be my safe place and my personal reminders up here. And so that is a great way to remind you. And because you need to be filling your cup too. And it is super draining to be on the computer all day. It's just a reality. And so don't be afraid to have those notes up for you. I'm definitely going to remix that. I promise you. I'm going to, I'm, I, I wrote it down. I'm already going to create my list of, of students who I know I want to connect with starting tomorrow. I um, love that. And because there are kids who I say, you know, I've seen this kid pop in my sessions, but he's never said a word. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only typed in the chat. And I, I'm going to purposely and intentionally target. And I think I'm going to start with five kids, one for each one of my sessions that I have tomorrow. That's Thank awesome. you for that idea. I love that. Yes. I love that. All right, Will, any more follow-up, any questions, anything you want to cover before we have you bring this one in for a landing? 
No, I just want to thank you again, Shannon, for taking this time. It is, I know after teaching all day, the last thing we want to do is get on the computer and have a conversation with people, but we appreciate you. Our listeners, I know will appreciate, uh, I, I say it every podcast, but I can't say it enough, is that every time we interview an educator, we get so much ourselves before we put it out to the world. And that's our goal is to make sure every teacher, eliminate teachers' excuses of why they can't do things by bringing them into the presence of educators who can help shape them and mold them so they can perfect their craft. And so I thank you and we salute you for taking this time and sparing this time to have this conversation with us. Of course, thank you guys for having me and all the teachers out there listening. You are doing an amazing job. Give yourself some grace. We've never been in this before and no one's gonna be perfect. And what we think is right today might be wrong tomorrow. And that's okay. We're just going to keep rolling with it. Keep doing the best we can. And we know at the end of the day, the number one thing that we can do, like I said, is have that heart of a teacher. And if you're doing that, all the rest is adaptable and changeable and something you can add on. So just stay tried and true to that. I love it. Which leads right into my the last two questions. Um, uh, this one, I, 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 it's kind of near and dear to us. We, we have this vision of what we're going to do with all of these responses from all these teachers. Um, and maybe it'll come to fruition and we can put it nat- nationwide. But if you could share a message with every single student in the country, including the ones you teach, and you know they're going to see, imagine it being on a big billboard that every kid in the United States will have to pass by on their educational journey. What would that message be to them? Oh, so, so many things I'd want to say. Um, but I think the first one would be like, someone needs your ideas. Like someone mm. needs your ideas. Um, and like, and of course me, I like, I just, I want every kid to feel loved. So I like, I'm not automatically, I was like, you are loved. That's like what I'd want to be on a billboard. But I also would want it to be um, you know, someone needs your ideas. And that's something whenever I'm teaching uh, STEAM or anything, I remind my kids, just as we spoke about earlier, you know, there is no cure to cancer yet. There are so many things that we do not have solutions for yet, because I think a lot of times, like I've mentioned before, kids idolize teachers, they idolize adults, and they think that we're these people who have it all figured out. Then we grow up and we're like, adults don't have it figured out. (laughs) Like, what was I thinking as a five-year-old? We know nothing. Um, So I think, though, when I point out, like, this, 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 not trying to be negative, but just, like, and people are working tirelessly to find solutions, but they haven't. Or then when you show someone who invented something, especially in more recent years, they're like, oh, they didn't have that before? No, you know, and they, how many times they tried and all of these things and showing um, all the inventions that sometimes come along the way of trying out a new idea. And so I just think, yeah, someone needs your ideas. I think that would be. I, I picture that billboard having like in huge letters, someone needs your ideas and like in little tiny letters. Oh yeah. And people, and you are loved too. Yes. <laughs> That's a yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yeah, <laughs> yes. For sure. Yes. For sure. I love it. And, you know, I, I brought into my classroom the, uh, a few, maybe about 10 years ago, the idea to tell every kid that you're loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell them, if you don't hear from anybody else, you're going to hear from me. Mm-hmm. And know that I don't, I get up every morning, I take my first breath and I think of you. Because I come here and I give my heart to you because I love you. I say, and there's nothing you can do to, to change that. Yes. You, you, there's nothing you can do to change it. 
there's nothing you could have done to make me love you. There's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. The yes. fact that you're in my classroom, that you're in my school, that you're walking these streets, you are loved by me. Yes, unconditional love. Unconditionally, right. And I think that having that that as a as my mom, like that, I think love, you know, I'm an ordained minister also. So it, it, it you know, Ooh, love it. Trying to find that separation is like, but love covers a lot. It does. And, and so when you when you love somebody, when you fail, I'm not going to expose you. Mm-hmm. Because I love you, I'm going to cover you. And while, while I have you covered, I'm going to introduce you to some new things to help you that you're not. I'm getting goosebumps, so I'm going to stop. Yes. I, no, it's <sighs> true, though. Every person, and like you just said, I, I and I do believe, regardless of your, um, you know, faith beliefs, I, I do believe it is a true human desire amongst all humans, no matter what language you speak, no matter what religion you practice, no matter what color your skin is, we all desire to be unconditionally loved. And we also thrive in environments where we feel unconditionally loved because that's where we're willing to be risk takers. That's where we're willing to admit when we don't know something. That's when we're willing to admit that we screwed up. Um, And so absolutely, absolutely. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So this leads to the last question. So when all the lessons are taught, you turn the lights out in the classroom for the last time. The last bell rings. You say your last goodbyes. I love you to your last group of students. At the end of the day, what do you want your legacy to be? Ooh, oh my gosh. I've like never thought about that. Um, oh gosh. I, I think from the moment I started teaching, and you kind of touched on this when you were talking about how you were real about your family and stuff like that. I've always wanted kids to see me as like their cheerleader. And I've always wanted for when kids to grow up and if they're in a, you know, going through something or like you said, they're having a moment where they don't feel loved or things are going on. I want it to be like, oh yeah, like I had a cheerleader for me. And even though I haven't spoken to her in forever, like she's still, you know what I mean? Just to know, I want my legacy to be like, I'm always rooting for you. It doesn't matter if it's been, 10 years since you're in my classroom, like I still think of all those sweet faces and I'm still rooting for you. So I think that, I don't know if that answers it or not, my legacy of being like a woo cheerleader. But oh, love, yes. Every, I think it was, um, her name is, uh, Rita Pearson. Rita Pearson said it best when she said, every child deserves a champion. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that is, that is an admirable legacy to leave. And I think every teacher, should desire to leave being the champion for every student that they taught. I mean, mm-hmm. the the impact, like, you know, Kyle and I, we've been talking recently about, you know, some teachers teach to build a relationship for one year, you know, and, but our job should be to teach and become a lifelong companion, a lifelong yes. friend, a lifelong mentor for these mm-hmm. students because nothing happens by accident, mm-hmm. you know, I tell students all the time, the fact that you're in my classroom, you're here for a reason. There was, there's something that I had to give you at this, at this, at this leg of your journey that's mm-hmm. going to help you get to your next level. So let, and there's something that you're going to teach me that I need at this leg of my journey that's going to help me be better. So let's help each other be better and let's focus on what's important and let's do this together. And that's, I believe that's how you champion kids. Yes. That's how you champion. So, man, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and that's so that's so funny because we had like a really funny moment. And it's so funny because the person I'm referencing literally just called me. 
Um, I'm going to have to call him back. But so, you know, we're, I, I told you, we're, my fiance and I are getting married in November. Mm -hmm. But uh, our other good friend, Wilkie and I's good friend that's in Houston, he's at U of H Medical Center, mm -hmm. can't, groomsmen can't make it to the wedding. Because mm -hmm. if he leaves the state, they're going to quarantine him two weeks and he can't miss his classes. So my next, my, my, the guy who's stepping in mm -hmm. was my teacher in high school. Oh my goodness. So like, he's, he's exactly, he's w exactly 10 years older than me. And I, I, he, he was the one who pushed me to the college I went to when I would come home on, on breaks, I would talk with him and sit with him and be like, he's like, okay, now you're going to take these classes. You're going to do these things. And when I moved to Houston, his family, like, was a family that I saw, like, I saw them more than I saw a lot of my actual family. Like now, now I'm his son's confirmation sponsor, Aww. you know, and it was so funny because my fiance told my, my younger sister and it was such a, my sister's very deadpan and she's like, Oh, if I could go back to my wedding, I wonder which high school teacher I'd want to invite to be a part of my <laughs> bridal party. And we were just like, you know, whatever. But I mean, it, it's, it's like that. And, and I can think of several, you know, especially growing up in a small town, but, but to have like, and I'm lucky, you know, I go home to my small town and I still run into like my, my, my high school, my elementary gym teacher and high school basketball coach lives like 200 yards away from my sister and oh her husband. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I still get to, and, and that's just great. So I had to devolve into that story. That's so funny that he actually was calling me right then. That but, um, so for people that want to connect with you, learn more, just get a general feel for what you've got going on. Where's the best places to find you? Yeah. So, um, I feel like right now I'm most, uh, interactive on Instagram. And so that's primary shenanigans, but like my name, S-H-A-N-N-O-N. I-G-A-N-S. So I know I pronounce it phonetically wrong. I apologize, but I do spin off of my name. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm Primary Shenanigans. I have a website, a blog that it is my mission this year to add more stuff to it, uh, primaryshenanigans.com. But especially my Instagram, that's probably best. Like I, I save a lot of stuff to my highlight bubbles, um, books, and my emails also on my Instagram. So if you ever have any questions, you can also send me an email. Uh, primary shenanigans at, e at gmail.com but basically if you search primary shenanigans you'll find me somewhere you know if you need anybody to guest blog on there to talk about how wonderful it is to talk to you and oh. <laughs> how we had to download I mean it's gonna t like it just keeps happening like every time we do a podcast it takes me like weeks to process mm -hmm. everything so but we're so honored and and so it was such a pleasure for us that if you ever have any anything you want to talk about, anything you want to promote, any you just want to come back on and talk, all you got to do is reach out and we would love to have you back. Awesome. Y'all rock. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode with Shannon Lanning. Um gosh, what a what a good conversation to have and just a different perspective for us you know we are middle school secondary teachers and sometimes you you don't you underestimate how much you can learn from someone who teaches something different from what you do so um, we really appreciate Shannon and just the simplest things about asking questions and I find myself after talking with her calling my kids friends 
Um, it's it's funny, but you just pick that up, and it's just her attitude and her energy. Man, it just it it meant the world to us to have a chance to speak with her. So, if you're not following Primary Shenanigans on Instagram, go ahead and do it. If you're not following us at Value Adds Value at It's Will Law, or sorry, at It's Dot Will Dot Law Dot I I I, and at It's Kyle Krieger, we'd really appreciate. It. But much love to y'all. Um, when this goes out, it's about to be October. We're in full swing. Hope you're safe. Hope you're happy. Hope you're healthy. And thank you again for checking out Value Adds Value.